Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 through 22. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salomon. Salomon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Oved. Oved, the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of David, the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me, please? Oh Lord, you have spoken your word. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our minds that we may receive. Open our lips that we may declare your praise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy New Year. I know that isn't a religious greeting, but uh, we usually celebrate it, so it's fair to say. As a lifelong student, I still think, though, of the new year beginning at the first part of the fall semester. That's, that's the way my mind thinks. If you're in school, you know what I mean. But still, January 1st, January 2nd can kind of be a nice point of perspective to think about the past and look forward to the future. I know a lot of people around this time really like to sort of look back at the past I know it's important to remember history so that we can learn from it, but I'm really not feeling a stroll down memory lane these days. Because these days, at least my life, I don't know about yours, but at least my life, feels more like one of those movie scenes where the bridge is crumbling as fast as you can run across it. You know what I mean? For several weeks, our sermon series has been kind of focusing on that feeling. We've been thinking about what is God doing in a world that seems to be falling apart. And we've been doing that by looking at this Old Testament book of Ruth, as Eric said. We've looked at it in sequence. Because Ruth tells us what God did in the life of one poor woman whose life really had fallen apart. In the film production company of my mind, which is always up and running, I can imagine this woman. I, I can just see her. I mean, I could, do the, I could do the shot. She's standing at the door of her home, 
It's dark behind her. It's light in front of her. There's a little limp bag on the ground right beside her because she's about to pick up that bag and take the first step to leave. But she's lingering there because she keeps thinking back about her life. And every once in a while, she sort of cringes when she thinks about the future. She thinks back about how hard it's going to be to go on. See, her husband is dead, and both her adult sons are dead. That means she doesn't have a home anymore. That means she doesn't have any steady provision. She doesn't have any protection. Everything she knew was disappearing. If you've never had that experience, you can't imagine, but I'm, I'm inviting you to begin to try when everything you know is going. She thinks about that long, long road back home. For what? She says to herself, you know, I was full. I had plenty. I had a life. But now I'm empty because God has turned against me. That's the way Naomi's story starts. That's the way the book of Ruth starts. With a woman who had lost, so she thought, everything. But there's a whole lot more in those brief four chapters to Naomi's story. And today, we get to the end of it. And it's an entirely different picture. Because in the depth of her despair... Naomi was missing some things. So we're going to look quickly back through the story today to try and determine what it was that she was missing. One thing that her lament, her initial lament, does not acknowledge, it didn't, didn't incorporate, was the fact that she wasn't actually alone. She had two daughters-in-law, and although one of them did, at Naomi's urging, go back home to her parents, her people, one of Naomi's daughters-in-law stayed with her. Ruth, named for the book, Ruth. Naomi tries to get her to go back, but Ruth says no, and Ruth is a widow. She's also childless. She's also impoverished and in peril, but despite Naomi's pessimism and her lamenting, Ruth pledges loyalty to her mother-in-law. And we've been through these words before. I won't read her whole promise, but here are the salient parts. Ruth says to Naomi, I'm not going back because where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates me from you. Now, if you are at all biblically literate or if you've been hanging around this church for a while, it's not going to surprise you, but it is striking how similar Ruth's pledge to Naomi is to God's pledge to his people. Take a look at this. The Lord says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Mountains and hills in the Old Testament are always signals of strength. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. That's in Isaiah. The Lord says words to that effect over and over and over to, to, know, 
to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to David. Over and over, God covenants with his people. In the language of the Old Testament, you've heard this before, but here's a reminder, that unfailing love phrase there is that Hebrew word chesed. It's translated variously, depending on what translation you're looking at. It's translated as kindness, um, steadfast love, mercy, acts of devotion, grace. But basically, chesed means love. So much more than what our English word means by love. But chesed is love that never gives up. That's, linger there for a second. Never lets go and never lets you down. Look at that phrase. We just sang this in several songs. Thank you, Mary, for choosing those songs. They were perfect for today. Because that's the whole point. See, if you could just get that, if I could just hold on to that, how much angst would that resolve? How much fear would that abate? How much anger would that resolve? If we could just know, just hold on to God's love never gives up, he never lets go. He never lets us down. But you say, well, gosh, it sure feels like it. Hold on. The rest of the sermon is coming. Okay? Because as the story continues, Ruth lives that chesed. She lives her covenant that she made to Naomi. She repeatedly demonstrates chesed. When they get back to Bethlehem, Ruth's, Naomi's whole town, hometown, Ruth overcomes her own grief. She just sort of lays it down and goes out to be a field hand. I just can't get over that. If you've never worked in the field, you, it's just horrible. It's hard work. I lost a pair of shoes in a cornfield somewhere. I never did get them back. It was muddy. I'm not kidding. Field work is hard. And she did field work just to keep from starving, to keep her mother-in-law and herself from starving. And as it happened, you know, the story, she's working in the field of a man named Boaz, a godly man who happens to be a relative of Naomi's husband. So Boaz recognizes in Ruth, he hears the stories about that promise she made to her mother-in-law, and he sees the way she's behaving toward her, and he honors that in Ruth. And of course, eventually, he accepts Ruth's proposal of marriage, her daring proposal of marriage. And then, to wrap the story up beautifully, before long, Ruth and Boaz have a son. So we could just snap the final family portrait right there. A loyal daughter-in-law and the love of a good man make everything right. That's a Hallmark movie right there. I've watched enough of those. But before we close the book, let's look one more time at that word chesed, because it's important to know this. Of the nearly 250 times that word is used in the Old Testament, the overwhelming majority of those uses describes God's love not the love of a person, God's love. But where is God in Naomi's picture? That's the question. Remember, Naomi thought God had turned against her. She said that. He thought, she thought God had taken her husband. You hear people say that all the time. Well, they, my husband was taken. No, he died. She thought God had taken her sons, leaving her afflicted, her word, and empty, her word, so she laments her losses, and she looks at the bleakness of her prospects. You see, when Naomi was reviewing the sort of newsreel of her life, she was doing exactly what I, and perhaps you, sometimes do. We have these pictures of these brief moments of happiness, 
these times of joy. And then, inevitably, a, a letdown, a loss. There's a famous phrase from the old medieval Latin liturgy. If you're a Latin expert, forgive my pronunciation, but this is close enough. Media vita in morte sumus. In the midst of life, we are in death. That's the nature of human life. We can't stop it. We can't escape it. I like even better Robert Frost, American poet Robert Frost's short poem that ends with this line, nothing gold can stay. Isn't that gorgeous? Nothing gold can stay. That's why I need to know, you and I need to know, Naomi needed to know, that God is always at work. Get that. Look at those green words. God is always at work for life against death. He never abandons us. He never abandons us. I can't say that strongly enough. God is continually manifesting chesed in our lives and in the world. The frustration is, of course, that we can't see it. That was Naomi's frustration. She couldn't see it. She couldn't see it. Theologians call this God's hidden hand. It is the providence of God, his care for all things, but we can't see it. Scripture says, how unsearchable are God's judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? We don't, we don't understand it. In the story of Ruth... We're told only two times that God directly intervenes in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. Near the beginning of the book, we learn, just as Naomi learned, that God, the, the scripture says, that God had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. There was a famine in the land, so God stops the famine. And then now at the end of the book, we just heard this today, Joel read this, the Lord enabled Ruth to conceive. Some other translations say God made her conceive. The power is God. So, so let me get this straight now. The two times in the story that God intervenes that we know about, it's when God did something that people couldn't do. So are we supposed to draw a conclusion from that? Not necessarily. Be careful. What we can reason is this. Chesed is God's love, but chesed can also describe love between people. Ruth's love for Naomi, Boaz's love for Ruth, and through Ruth for Naomi. But what's the relationship between human love and divine love, sort of horizontal love and vertical love? Are we just on our own until God decides to show up? Is that it? I mean, that's the way a lot of people feel. Thank you, God, for showing up when you do, but where are you the rest of the time? Well, no, that's not the way it is. The difference between divine love and human love is the difference between a holy God and unholy humanity. That's the difference. No matter how well-intentioned our love is, no matter how well-intentioned, our love for other people and our love for God is always stunted by self-interest, always. What kind of tax break am I going to get on this? Always. 
even when it's not that crass. Our love is always limited by time. We're going to die. And we don't know what it's like beyond, but we won't be sending Valentine cards as far as we know. Human love is always limited by circumstance. I like to think of it this way. We can be Girl Scouts, but we can't be God. I can never be God. Jesus said no one is good except God. What's more, God lasts forever. God's love lasts forever. And here's the part that I discovered in reading for this sermon. Not only is God's love eternal, God's love is transformative. When the vertical love of God intersects with the love between human beings, when the vertical divine chesed intersects with human chesed, when human beings are blessed by God's limitless love flowing into their lives, almost always without even knowing it. People don't even know when God's love is flowing into their lives. But whenever that happens, it transforms the people it flows into so that they can love as God loves. Will our love ever be perfect? No, but it can be godly. That's what St. Paul meant in Romans 12 too, when he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It changes our minds and hearts when God's love flows into us, even when we don't know it. Where do you think good impulses come from? They don't come from advertisements. They come from the Lord. God is the author of love. Do not conform to this world, but notice its passive voice here. Be transformed. You can't transform yourself. God is transforming you by the renewing of your mind. So the chesed that Ruth and Boaz were feeling was possible only because God's love was flowing into them. You say, well, this was before Jesus came to earth. God's always been loving. God has always been loving. And when Ruth and Boaz received the love of God, their chesed flowed out from them. Boaz to his workers, Ruth to Naomi, both of them to their son, in an ever-widening embrace of love. And so the story of Ruth ends in a nativity scene. With mother and father and newborn baby surrounded by admirers. And in the love and pr providence of God in the middle of that picture is good old Naomi. All of her hopes and dreams and happiness restored in the tiny person of Obed, born to Ruth and Naomi, but declared by the community notice to be Naomi's son because he was her kinsman redeemer now, that baby. He was going to restore her life and be the sustainer of her old age. End of story? Not quite. Because listen to this scripture again, and this is the part I really like. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And now, listen to these verses too. I love to read genealogies in the Bible. And now listen to these. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and so on and so on and so on, a lot more names. And then Matan the father of Jacob, 
and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. You see, Jesus' family tree included baby Obed and his parents. Naomi's story, Ruth's story, humanity's story doesn't end with Obed. That's not the end of all human things, a happy marriage and a newborn baby. As beautiful as that picture is, I loved Matt's sermon because the idea that human love is the point of Christmas is so wrong, I can't tell you how wrong that idea is. It's so pain-producing. Human love is wonderful in all of its guises, all of its faces, but it's, it's a pale shadow of the love of God because God is not only always at work, God is always working his eternal plan for life that defeats death. That's the next part of the story that's even more important. Even before the world began, way before Ruth, way before Naomi, way before the famine, God's plan of Hesed was made and fulfilled. The first announcement of it comes in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 3.15 says, it's the first gospel proclamation about love for life that lasts. This is right at the beginning. When Adam and Eve are in the garden and God says to the serpent, I will put enmity, opposition, between you, Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and hers, because he shall bruise your head. He's going to kill you, and you will bruise his heel. You're not going to kill him. He's going to kill you. God promised redeeming chesed through one born of woman, that's the beginning of the Bible. And the intention of God's eternal love is echoed throughout Scripture. Again, I love this kind of passage. Listen to this. This is way back in, near the end of the Bible in 1 Peter. For you know that it was not with perishable things that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ who was chosen before the creation of the world. How big is God's love? And in the fullness of time, as Scripture describes God's presence, Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, came, descended from Obed and David. In the wisdom of divine chesed, Jesus, the Son of God, gave himself a sinless sacrifice to defeat death by dying and renew life by rising from the grave. And the Bible says, and after he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven assuming the eternal throne, the crowning glory of David's royal line. The work's done. Naomi could never have foreseen that outcome. But honestly, neither can we. In the bleak midwinter, things look very dark. Our vision can be dimmed by fears and uncertainty. Honestly, things don't seem to be getting any better in some ways. We have lost so much time, if nothing else. So many feel alone. And many more just, just long for a brighter tomorrow. Just standing on that doorstep with Naomi. Just, we just want to get out into the light. Whatever that might mean. But hold on. Because the end of the book of Ruth tells us 
there's a bigger picture developing. Things are not always what they seem, but God is always working for good. Not merely behind the scenes, but sometimes through the scenery. God is always working, even though his hidden hand may sometimes be hidden. Chesed never ends. God's hand may sometimes be hidden, but Chesed never ends. You see, Naomi just wanted security. Israel just wanted a king. You and I just want fill in the blank. Rescue from death, whatever that means. The Chesed of God is all that and more. What God was doing in the lives of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and Obed is what God is doing in the world today. So the question is not, what is God doing about a world that seems to be falling apart? The question is, what are you and I going to do in this world with the chesed that God is pouring into our lives? And if you are inclined to respond to that question by, well, I'd like to know, just keep in mind, God is with us, Emmanuel. He has not left us to figure out what to do all by ourselves. In this study of the book of Ruth, God has given us a lot of ideas about how can we act in chesed. Consider these possibilities for the new year. Just think about them. Chesed takes notice of the invisible. Think about who the invisible is. Who is that person? Who are those persons? Chesed holds silence to hear the voiceless. Chesed sacrifices so others can survive. Chesed wields power to welcome the outsider and to secure family for young and old. That's just the short list. How is God calling you to exercise chesed? God never stops loving. Love lasts. And as his children, our joy is to receive that love and then to give it as broadly as we can, enjoying the chesed of God and resting in the eternal embrace of God the Father Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be his name. Amen.